Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Great pleasure to be on board once again with you today here on the big show, Purple Mafia. The Minnesota Vikings continue their quest to Mission Minneapolis, or whatever you'd like to call it. I'd like to call it that. That sounds good. It's been used before, I'm sure. But, uh, well, the Vikings win their eighth in a row. 14-9 over Atlanta, are 10-2, first place in the NFC North, and at minimum are holding the number two seed in the NFC, which is, of course, good enough for a first-round buy. Here we are once again today. Another team, another great quarterback uh, to go up against, and another Vikings victory. Another statement game for the Vikings defense Xavier Rhodes, remember last week we continued to, you know, we were needling him because he had a frustrating game. And, you know, I gave him the uh, <laughs> I gave him the Christian Potter Memorial because he had a bad game last week. So he goes up against the best receiver in football, against a team that, of course, won the NFC last year. And they kicked a lot of butt in January last season. And they were starting to get the stride, just like they did last year. I keep talking about last year, last year, last year. But, no, Atlanta, it was kind of a similar formula. They started kind of slow, and then they got in stride. They started re- early really good, just like last year. Exactly the same. Then had some down times, and then really started to get into the mode into December, and ultimately January, which led to the Super Bowl. But this time around, well, the Vikings defense had nothing of it today. They just had forget about it, forget about it. The Atlanta Falcons don't get in the end zone once. Of course, there was an opportunity for them to get in there, and they uh, elect to kick a field goal, which, well, <laughs> it's revenge for Gary Anderson, right, where actually Matt Bryant actually missed a field goal attempt. Matt Ryan, Matt Bryant, yeah, that's kind of the tough part. But, yeah, okay, we can remember. A little Gary Anderson magic there where he actually missed the uh, 48-yard attempt that ultimately, well, ended up giving the Vikings the ball back. Five minutes left. You know what? You cannot rip Dan Quinn for that call. Uh, anybody that thinks Dan Quinn, that was a mistake, well, maybe. Maybe because the way the Atlanta's offense is flowing, maybe they would have got the fourth down. But, of course, if they didn't, the game was over at that point, without a doubt. Uh, a lot of people were expecting Matt Bryant to make that kick. It's a two-point game. And the way the Vikings' offense was kind of sputtering a little bit in and out, they figured, well, Atlanta would still have a shot, possibly, to just get in field goal range and Matt Bryant would nail it. So, I don't know. And yes, I jumped way ahead, but that is what it is because uh, I had to mention the uh, the missed field goal. Absolutely, positively, not Matt Bryant's fault that uh, they lost the game, the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, and absolutely, positively, not <laughs> not revenge on the Gary Anderson missed field goal at all because again, the uh, outcome did not have the same effect that Gary Anderson's kick, which would have iced the game. The Vikings would have went to. Uh, the Super Bowl that year, it was in Miami, and, well, yeah, <laughs> things would have been quite different. So, yeah, there we go down memory lane a little bit. Yeah, Atlanta Falcons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Julio Jones, let's get back to where I started here with Xavier Rose, the icky week last week against Jones, Marvin Jones, and all that, and Tate, and all those guys in Detroit, and that was a little tough game today. We'll talk about that in segment number two. Huh, I'm looking at another score there wrapped up in the uh, three o'clock hours there the first the first, the first group you know what I mean the first wave huh kind of funny there but well again I better leave that alone um Julio Jones well he had two catches and 24 yards what and it's not because Julio Jones stunk now of course he did drop some passes in the game and of course other 
Falcon receivers underachieved today, without a doubt. There were drops. There were significant drops. Sanu dropped one that he probably should have had. A couple of there. Xavier Rose was on Sanu at times, when of course Julio Jones wasn't out there. That second catch is what scared the crap out of me in Julio Jones's case, <clears throat> because he was muscling through, and that was when that was during that drive where the Falcons maybe could have gotten in the end zone and took took the lead. Doesn't necessarily mean they would have won the game, but they would have certainly had a massive advantage the way Atlanta's defense was playing, which is significantly better because they have their version of Mike Zimmer over there who repaired a defense pretty fast in Atlanta, the former Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator. But Jiminy Christmas looks like uh, Mike Zimmer's defense is better than Atlanta's, and uh, Vikings' offense is more clutch than Atlanta's. Uh, Atlanta's offense is really damn good, but to hold them to nine points, only three field goals and one miss by Matt Bryant, which again, yeah, no. <laughs> if anybody blames him for that, I don't know. But uh, unbelievable game by Xavier Rose today. Yes, he, he gave up a catch to Mohamed Sanu. Sanu, it's not Miguel Sanu, it's Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> Miguel Sanu. But oh, oh darn, 43 yards and no touchdowns, of course. Again, Sanu dropped a couple in the game. Jones dropped a couple in the game. Yep, that's on them. I mean, Jones would have had one that he could have gone very far on. That, that was a scary situation there. Um... Another pass is broken up nicely by Anderson Dejo. Just that that guy again. The much maligned safety of the Vikings who continues to get the job done. Uh, love Anderson Dejo. Love what he brings. And luckily, Anthony Harris is ever capable of filling in for him in situations. That's how good this Vikings defense is. I mean, it's spectacular. Um, this was a total team effort, though, in so many ways. And then you had a guy in Case Keenum, who again, every week it's like, okay, um, you know, why doesn't Mike Zimmer just name him the starter, this and that? Because, well, I, I don't know. They love Teddy Bridgewater, and how can you not love Teddy Bridgewater? Absolutely. And he was taken in the first round of the draft, and, you know, it's a beautiful story. And remember, it's like the most happy story of all time, imagining Teddy Bridgewater holding that trophy as maybe the MVP or at least the, the main, you know, the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. But if Keenum gets it done, so be it, man. Uh, but again, a total team effort. You had C.J. Ham make a crucial reception on third down. <laughs> Looking a little bit like Chester Taylor, you know, breaking a tackle, getting around a guy, making a nice move, 12-yard gain. Laquan Treadwell, a crucial first down late in that fourth quarter. Nine-yard catch. Thank you very much, Laquan Treadwell. He bobbled the ball, but he wound up hanging on to it. Thank God. Uh, there were a couple of plays in the game where Atlanta, absolutely, they shot themselves in the foot with numerous holding calls. Can't get mad at the refs today. How how could you possibly get mad at the referees today? Um, <clears throat> there's always a, a point in the game where you think maybe Stefan Diggs was interfered with and the call wasn't made. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. And then Stefan Diggs was out of bounds. Some people say he was in. I can't say that that call <laughs> should be overturned. He was out of bounds. And it was an unfortunate situation there. Um, he was out of bounds. And... Yeah, he only got one foot down. The other one was in the white. So when it's in the white, that's that's no man's land. I'm sorry, and it's disappointing. But, I mean, you get Michael Floyd with, with crucial third-down receptions. Michael Bleepin' Floyd, who, again, who's been invisible most of the year. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, Latavius Murray, so clutch, so crucial. Jarek McKinnon, just, you know, the value of all these guys is incredible. Just total team effort, top to bottom. Um Daniil Hunter was <laughs> he was held, he was held on a play where it looked like people they were going to call like roughing the kicker or running into the kicker. It wouldn't have been roughing the kicker. Luckily, the Vikings ended up pushing him back. But of course, shocking shock of the decade, the punter of Atlanta, Matt Bosher. So another Matt. He got Matt, Matt, and Matt there. 
Matt Botcher ended up having the punt of the year practically. Gah! The Vikings would have had much better field position before the 10-yard penalty. That just totally figures. 56-yard kablooey. And Marcus Gerald's just coming to cut backtracking as he had already called the fair catch. And then the Vikings had the drive of the year, you could argue, to this point. It bought an eight-and-a-half-minute drive by Case Keenum. The guy's accuracy throughout the day today, insane. Um, people getting mad about the... Uh, people getting mad about the... Uh, play calling today. It kind of was what it was. It was kind of like Atlanta. That was kind of what they were giving us. Unfortunately, the, there was some aggressive play calls here and there, but at the same time, you know what? Good on Case Keenum for not throwing that crucial pick six that ends the season or ends the game, not the season. His accuracy was insane. Perfect in the second half. Only five incompletions in the first half. 83%. 120.4 quarterback rating, two touchdowns. The first one to Jarek McKinnon completing the drive, finally getting the Vikings on the, on the scoreboard. Ugh, after it looked like Atlanta was going to, it looked like Atlanta was going to be all over us. But once again, this Vikings defense, always, every time you see Atlanta, you see Detroit, you see the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams cross the 50-yard line into Viking territory. And we're all like, oh boy. And myself included, I keep falling to it. But then again, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> some days aren't your day, but uh, you keep getting this tightness in your throat. Like, here we go again. Now they're going to get in the end zone and they're going to take a big lead. And, you know, it's just going to be one of those days. And then the defense just continues to stymie. Whoever it is, if it's Matt Ryan, if it's even Aaron Rodgers before he broke his collarbone. And yes, we got to mention that again. And unfortunately, they're. Well, they're going in a little better direction lately with uh, Mr. Uh, Brett Hundley over there. Yeah, Brett's being a little more like Brett now. A little bit. Not as crazy, though. But the Viking defense continues to have about as good of a red zone defense as there is. And a massive, massive stat in this game today that was mentioned once again by the uh, by the crew, the, uh, the announcer crew today, and they did a great job, um, was that, okay, you're in third and four, third and short type of situations. The Vikings are beatable uh, in that situation because anybody is. I mean, you know, fourth and two, of course. And, and no surprise that Atlanta converted that crap, even though it's frustrating as hell. It is Matt Ryan, and it's a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of athletes over there. They know what they're doing, and well, obviously. And it's, again, Matt Ryan. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, regardless if he's a choke in the playoffs or this or that. And he certainly wasn't last year until the biggest game of his life and biggest second half of all time for, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was painful for him, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, it's going to happen. You're going to give up short. You're going to give up short yardage in that situation, even if you're the best defense in the world. And then other times you might push him back. You might smell out the play. Vikings defense was doing that early, and then Freeman started having his way a bit, this and that. But, again, third and seven or so, it was pretty much lights out. The Vikings defense was that good. On and on and on and on. And the Atlanta Falcons kept having to unbutton those chin straps, and off they went. And here came, here, here, here came the other Matt. On occasion, it was Matt Bryant, and yes, he did make his three field goals, and good on him for that, I suppose. Ty Forbath didn't even attempt a single field goal because the Vikings were either punting or in the end zone. So that was pretty much it. And again, not one turnover, not one fumble, not one interception. That was awesome. Ryan Quigley was excellent in the five punts, averaging 45 yards. And he had one uh, pinned down in the 20, so that's good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Matt Bosher, you know, 
you know, that that's the guy. I mean, obviously, and that's the guy we like to see <laughs> more and more because that Vikings defense continued to be clutch when it needs to be in those third and long situations. And again, Xavier Rhodes knocking the ball away. Uh, Xavier, uh, Xavier McDaniel, what am I talking about? That's an old basketball player. Xavier McDaniel. <laughs> Where did that come from? McKinsey Alexander. McKinsey Alexander. He got a pretty ticky-tack call real early in the game, which was extremely frustrating. That's when Atlanta got their field goal drive, which scared the hell out of us, just like Atlanta last last uh, couple couple weeks ago. It's almost a month ago already, man. Um, he got a ticky-tack pass interference call, and then after that, just lights out. Awesome. Just knocking the ball away. You never saw Alex... Uh, why am I keep doing this? McKenzie Alexander getting beat. You just saw him knocking the ball away, doing a great job. And you're seeing more and more and more why, again, he kept talking about in college, the reason why he didn't get interceptions is because nobody threw the ball his way, just like Xavier Rhodes. A lot of times they don't throw the ball his way. And when it's uh, Julio Jones, they had to sometimes, and Julio dropped the ball sometimes. And otherwise, Xavier Rhodes was downright fantastic because not only was he sticking to his man time and time again, not giving up plays, but then, but then you also saw him making insane tackles at times on the run when, when need be because it got to the point, clearly the ball was not going to <laughs> Julio Jones. So Xavier Rhodes was able to commit, and he committed well, and he was just unbelievable throughout the game today. Pretty good chance that guy will be a Van uh, Tarkington uh, winner today or candidate, we'll say. Yeah, that's a hint. Um, just an awesome overall game. Harrison Smith breaking up plays, making big tackles at crucial times as well. I mean, you, you can't say enough about him. Eric Hendricks would miss some because he was being blocked. It wasn't because he stunk and made uh, did a bad job, but he was overall spectacular today. Again, 10 total tackles for Eric Hendricks. The one frustrating statistic is the Vikings never once officially got to Matt Ryan. They just they got him to throw the ball away sometimes, hurry and make plays, and that was about all she wrote. Yet still, you don't sack Matt Ryan once. Not once, yet you still keep that team, that offense, out of the end zone. On the road, by the way, this wasn't in Skull Stadium. This wasn't in Skull, the U.S. Bank Stadium. It wasn't. It was on the road. And winning in Atlanta is not the easiest thing of all time. The good news is, though, what did I talk about last week when I was previewing this game? Atlanta's run defense isn't the best. It really isn't. And yes, the blocking has so much credit. Of course, C.J. Ham part of it. And yeah, I mean, the blocking was unbelievable. You had one chop block at one point in the game, too, which drove you absolutely nuts. That was uh, unacceptable. But, well, yeah, no. That sometimes things don't go your way. That was Easton. He gets called for some stinking penalties sometimes, and there's just no reason for a chop block. We don't need to tear someone's ACL for just no reason. You know, obviously you don't want anybody's ACL to ever get torn, no matter how much you hate the guy, if it's Aaron Rodgers or something. You don't want him to tear an ACL. You want to beat him face-to-face. If he's, you know, at his best, beat him. See him disappointed, see him heartbroken, see him get a pick six at the at the end of the fourth quarter and see us celebrate and see them pack their bags back on home to Northern Cal or wherever they're from or to Wisconsin, wherever they live, if they're residing in Wisconsin, that type of thing. That's what you want. You don't want to see ACLs. You don't want to see knees buckle because of stupid, stupid chop blocks. So come on, Easton. Come on, buddy. But really... Just those are the those were some of the frustrations. Just little silly penalties, but generally speaking, Atlanta was the team that got penalized. And of course, again, the good blocking overall. That's what triggered me going into East in there a little bit because of that stinking chop block, which cost us a pretty nice game from Latavius Murray. Um, the running game was excellent today. Latavius looks like a starting running back in the NFL. Outstanding. He had that 30-yard run, which really got things rolling. 
in the right direction. He wound up with about five yards of carry because of that. But again, just solid. He was getting forward most of the time. Occasionally, that Atlanta defense was aggressive. And yes, it's going to happen. They're going to get through because they're going to smell out the play. But Latavius Murray, generally speaking, looks more and more like a starting running back. And it does help when big holes are given. And Latavius can get those six to nine yard gains. It's just fun to watch. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, of course, did get in the end zone on a receiving play, a screen pass. That was fun. It was outstanding. And then, because Derek McKinnon, of course, being a <laughs> a uh, Atlanta native, what did he do? He did something we hated oh so much circa 1998. 19 years ago? Yeah, 19 years ago. January 1999, it was something called the Dirty Bird. And that was fun. That was sweet. You feel a little better there. Because Atlanta is, of course, a playoff-level team. An NFC champion and all that good stuff. You saw the Dirty Bird dance all these years later from Jerick McKinnon. It was just a little wee lad back in those days. Just a little wee lad was Jerick McKinnon. Aye, lad. And uh, Jerick McKinnon, yeah, laddie. And he did the uh, did that Dirty Bird dance and put the Vikings up 7-3. to three And that was, that was awfully fun. Uh, Case Keenum, though, again, perfect in that second half. Yes, there was a check down vibe to it. But you know what? He would make the big plays. He would get the he would make the short passes on third down that led to first downs. He would make the plays that were needed. And of course, that big, big reception to Adam Thielen, who was shut down time and time again today. Credit the Atlanta defenders as well, doing an awesome job on <laughs> Adam Thielen, as he wasn't able to get loose at all throughout the game today until the very end. But luckily he did get loose when it mattered. And he still, still wound up with 51 yards, which is just crazy. He still led the Vikings in receiving yards because of that 22-yard gain. That's freaking funny when you think about it. Wow. And he's getting closer and closer to that 1,100-yard mark as we continue to uh, enjoy what Adam Thielen has done for this club this season. Stefan Diggs had a big catch down the stretch as well. But overall, again, Stefan Diggs, not so much going on. The Atlanta defense, awesome today. And Jerry is right. Again, all he does is catch first downs, and that's why I love him so much. It's not because he has to make a uh, 80-yard, you know, play, scamper to pay dirt, or Randy Moss, you know, be like three feet ahead of his guy and catch the ball in stride, and there he goes, 65 yards to pay dirt, whatever. You know, he makes plays that count. He makes plays that count. And, of course, touchdowns count. But, again, that was one guy that was really able to do that, <laughs> okay? And, eventually, that cover two defense, that stupid-ass cover two defense of the, of the Dirty Birds back in 98 changed the... Uh, the scheme against Randy Moss for the rest of history. So you don't see those plays very often. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Jerry is right. Getting the job done and continuing to make a living in the National Football League. And I love the guy very much. I love what he brings. Sometimes he's just a check down situation, but other times though, that, I mean, what if it's third and seven and he gets that eight-yard catch? And that's what Jerry is right does. Multiple first downs today. Thank you again so very much. It was uh, very, very much appreciated by Jerry is right. So there you go. I mean, again, that's why it's a total team effort. But at the end of the day, if you're going to pass out a Fran Tarkington award, it's got to go to three people today. Three. Because, I mean, again, that's why it's a total team effort. Total, total team effort. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, spectacular coverage on Julio Jones. It looked scary at the very beginning. The very beginning. And then after that, it was just, nope, most of the way. Of course, again, a drop pass, this and that. And, yes, Anderson Dejo did help. And thank you, Anderson Dejo. He gets a lot of credit. He's just, just a you know, unsung hero for this Minnesota Vikings team. 
and you know you you never want to see him out and uh, and all that. Even though Anthony Harris is also an unsung hero, the way he comes in there and and holds down the fort in Sedejo's absence at times. Um, but so <laughs> Xavier Rhodes, of course, Case Keenum, perfect in the second half, just a spectacular quarterback. And he didn't make the mistake. He was just awesome time and time again. And, and the way he escapes pressure. Oh, yes, he was flagged for crossing the uh, line of scrimmage. I don't know why he did that. He should have just slayed or something. But luckily, again, that didn't get us killed. That's a very small mistake. So luckily, he was able. That was the only really mistake he did throughout the game today, I would have to say. Though he did miss Adam Thielen deep on one play. But, okay, Tom Brady and his <laughs> offensive coordinator, his old buddy there, Got in a huge uh, argument heading into the half as well in the Buffalo game. But yeah, they still blew the crap out of Buffalo. So we'll talk about that later. He had like four guys open and he didn't get a completion. (laughs) That was kind of funny. But yeah, if Tom Brady's going to miss something like that, it's going to happen, unfortunately. Because it would have been nice to see Adams Thielen catch that and go all the way. But again, you got to understand the pressure coming uh, Case Keenum's way. He might not be able to get that pass off. It just kind of is what it is. But Case Keenum, well deserving of another Fran Targenton Award. I believe it's his second or third this season. And I'm trying to remember, I had one other guy, and that's that's Latavius Murray, without a doubt. Again, just getting through, making those big plays, and wow, just love what Latavius Murray brings to this team. And of course, the blocking. I mean, you, you can never go without mentioning the offensive line, the fantastic job they do. And Case Keenum makes him look better as well by averting stacks at times. So, awesome. Um, Case Keenum was sacked twice, but again, the Vikings offense did what they needed to do. They would have scored more than likely on that final drive if, you know, if there was time left and you wanted to run up the score, but there's no reason to run up the score, even though the Vikings song likes to say that. Run up the score, you'll hear us yell for more. Well, if you don't have to run up the score, there's no need to do that. Let's just uh, let's just let's just be ahead when the clock hits three zeros from here on out, and uh, let's enjoy this. Uh, let's keep that run to fourteen and two. But at the end of the day, nothing matters in January other than just winning those games. You could be fourteen and two. You could be nine and seven. If you win all the games in January into February, that's what matters most. And I think you guys know that also well. The Kristen Fonda Memorial in today's game. Uh, meh, meh, not too many, you know. Uh, there's always somebody here and there. I mean, it's like Laquan Treadle being invisible, but hey, he made the catch he needed to make. Um, I can't get mad at anybody. Trey Waynes was outstanding today for the most part. I thought he was going to get flagged on one of those, but luckily they didn't call it, and that was a big miss by Matt Ryan overthrowing the ball, and Trey Waynes jammed the run. So jammed the, uh, jammed the route, I should say, and that's what Trey Waynes did a wonderful job today. So... I can't really get mad at anybody at this point. I can't. Maybe the play calling a little bit, but, well, we didn't make mistakes. That's helpful. So Anthony Barr, he had some not-so-good He had some not so good tackling early, and he got better later. So I don't know. I'm going to pass on the Christian Ponder Memorial this week. Just, okay, you didn't get the Fran Award, this or that. Maybe you were a little bit meh at this moment here and there, but you made up for it later, or this or that. So I'm going to pass on the Christian Pond Memorial. Just a total team effort. And that should be the title of this show today. So, again, (laughs) there it is. Let's take a quick break, and we will preview the game into Carolina and banter about the National Football League once again. The NFC North, there's good news, there's bad news, there's this news, and there's that news. Yeah, it is what it is. We'll talk about it soon.
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time for a little, well, bouncing around the league and previewing the Carolina Panthers game coming up. So, well, unfortunately, Philadelphia and Seattle, that's still kind of, yeah, that thing hasn't officially started at this moment. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Monday night football, December the 4th, 7.30 p.m., of course. The Dallas Cowboys whooped all over the Washington Redskins. They're pretty much done and dusted, as they say in Australia. I always tell you where it comes from because I love Australia. I love all my buddies over there, Vince Germano, Hank McCoy, and such. Vince Germano, Tene Brown from New Zealand, and Tene Brown, I believe those two, those are the two guys that listen to this show for sure from that part of the world. Others maybe, not sure, 100%. They haven't uh, revealed themselves. Let's look at the... Uh, Let's do the weekly checkup on the playoff picture, of course. AFC number one, New England Patriots, with a bullet. Well, kind of. They're 10-2. and two. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who've been, you know, they've been getting better and better, and they barely beat the Green Bay Packers last week. As, of course, we didn't even talk about that because Vikings played first. It was only one other game. <laughs> was it the Giants game, like, last week? Ah, it's kind of, like, irrelevant right now, but it wasn't a very good game. From what I remember, Pittsburgh Steelers ten, uh, nine and two. They hold the number two seed at the moment. They would be uh, they'll be playing Cincinnati, so they're probably going to be ten and two. The Tennessee Titans will host a wild card game. They're eight and four, looking like they're going to win their division right now. Probably they'll be hosting a seven and five Baltimore Ravens team, which is scaring me a little bit. Uh, if I were, if they if they were in the NFC, I'd be kind of scared of them. They're pretty good and a, a lot of teams the Vikings beat this year have been late bloomers like the freaking Saints who like never lose anymore. My god, they never lose. Uh, Tennessee Titans, we beat them in 2000, what year was that? Was that 15? That's a long time ago. Or was that last No, that was last year when the Vikings survived uh, with uh, Sean Hill in there. That was a fun game and they had that 5 and 0 record and yeah, well, Jacksonville's 8-4. and four. They'd be going on the road to Kansas City because that division stinks right now. I think they'll be going to Los Angeles instead. It's not, and it's going to be the Chargers, a team that was just horrendous for the first several weeks of the year. Now they're 6-6, six and six, and I don't see the Kansas City Chiefs winning the, uh, the uh, AFC West there. I don't see it happening. I think the Chargers are going to come back, and they're going to do it. The Chargers are one of those teams... Where they finish nine and seven and they wind up in the AFC title game. I mean, they're one of those kind of teams, and I wouldn't be surprised. They've done it before, Baltimore and and uh, and uh, San Diego. I'm just calling them San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers are two teams I would be shaking in my boots about right now. Um, poor Jacksonville. They're eight and four. They have this great record, but I don't know. They're probably they're they're going to be in trouble because they're going to have to go on the road. But I don't know. I mean, they're good enough. Who knows? They're just their crappy quarterback would be the reason that would be their undoing at the moment. Look at the NFC playoff picture. Um, still 10-1. and one. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're playing shortly against the Seattle Sea Chickens, who would be in, on the road in the wild card position. Minnesota, of course, number two seed, 10-2 and two with a bullet. The Los Angeles Rams would be hosting the Seattle Seahawks at the moment. 9-3. and three. And, of course, that means if the Los Angeles Rams do win, they'll be returning to... U.S. Bank Stadium. I'd be a little bit concerned about that game. A little bit. I love the way the Vikings took over down the stretch, but for a while there, that game was kind of scary. I'd be scared about playing Atlanta again, too, even though I think the Vikings are better than the Rams and the Atlanta Hawks. No, the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Vikings are better than them, but I don't know. I'd be scared about playing the New Orleans Saints, too. Uh, Carolina is the fifth seed at the moment. We'll talk about them shortly. Right now, they played today. Well, that'll be the last game we'll talk about. They played today, and, well, 
<laughs> New Orleans won. So that's a first-round matchup, potentially, the way things are lining up, depending on what goes on with Seattle and others. We'll keep moving. New England Patriots, 23, Buffalo 3, the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, they might as well be the Buffalo Sabres. They're as bad as they are now. They're 6-6 six and six on the year after another good start. Buffalo Bills are the Toronto Blue Jays of the NFL. The Toronto Blue Jays in the... Uh, American League East Division, <laughs> every year, they start off like, wow, 10-3. and three. Man, they're just kicking butt. They're really good. Toronto, they're hitting home runs. They're striking people out. They're just dominating. They're winning games. You know, they're just, they're winning games 6 to nothing, 6-2. to two. They're winning every day. Toronto Blue Jays, they're still in first place after the month of May. They're just kicking butt. And then by J- July 30th or something, they're like 15 games out of first, and they're under 500. That's the Buffalo Bills. You know, that's the Toronto Blue Jays of Major League Baseball, too. We'll keep moving. Um, yeah, there was that funny part where, uh, why am I forgetting that stupid coach's name? I mean, how, how could I forget his name? And, of course, that's that funny nerd wearing the uh, the visor. It's Josh McDaniels. Yep, that's who it was with the uh, Denver Broncos a few years back. Him and uh, Brady went going at it pretty hard at the end of the, the first half because Brady missed four open guys on a play that was fourth and 11, I believe. It was pretty funny. Um, and Brady was basically like, I have five bleeping rings. Who are you to be like going after me like that? You know, okay, whatever. And then, yeah, 23-3. to three, I think cooler heads prevailed at the end of that one. Jimmy Garoppolo versus, boy, it's the future right here. The next, the NFC Championship game about five years from now. Okay, probably not, but I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky and Jimmy Garoppolo, if he resigns with the San Francisco 49ers. The next, Joe Montana, who played in, uh, yep, remember, well, hey, the 49ers were awful when Joe Montana first played in 1980. So he came in. They played the Saints. Remember, that was one of the great comebacks in NFL history. It was the birth of the team of the 80s, way back at the end of the 1980 season. Before you knew it, the frickin' 49ers were one of the best teams in football. So, And obviously, they won four Super Bowls with Joe Montana, the guy who likes to break uh, priceless vases in that commercial. I believe that's a MasterCard commercial. That commercial's funny. And anything involving Joe Montana, it just puts a smile on my face. And, you know, this is like going back to the 80s, San Francisco and Chicago, but unfortunately... Yeah, not really, right? When they when you look at their records. <laughs> Unless it's the early 80s and late 70s or something when both were pretty crappy. Yeah, that's a little bit little bit before my time, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't. Jimmy G, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo, not quite the numbers you saw with the New England Patriots. He had 300 yards, all that. Mitchell Trubisky, Mitch Mitchell, with his usual like 15 attempts. They still won the game, believe it or not. Didn't create a turnover. Good for him. And... But unfortunately for him, the San Francisco 49ers end up winning 15-14 to in a uh, fairly low-scoring game there. Um, that's like 6th grade girls basketball or something. And no offense to girls. I'm just saying. Or more like 4th grade when they're really, really young. Yeah, that type of thing. And the game is real short. Yeah, that's like a 4th f- grade girls basketball game or something. Okay, I'm terrible. But I said it. I said it because I did. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, you know, this day and age, you can't say anything without somebody breathing down your neck. Tennessee Titans staying in first place, beating up on Tom Savage and the uh, Houston Texans 24-13. Woohoo! there. They're staying in first, and we're going to see the Titans in their first playoff game in a long, 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 long time. Marcus Mariota, the Oregon, the Oregon Duck, is beating Tom Savage. Unfortunately, Deshaun Woodson unavailable due to ACL injury, non-contact in practice. I don't know. Do they practice too hard, or what's the deal? I don't know, but... Uh, Weirdest team in football, the Miami Dolphins, 35 to the second weirdest team in football, the Denver Broncos. What the hell again, you know? Wow. I mean, everybody thought they're going. I mean, they, they won the Super Bowl two years ago, right? With that defense, it was just the best defense ever. And they were awesome, and they were 
very deserving of that championship. And uh, yes, Gerald Sring, that's his version of the New England Patriots, meaning, you know, his second favorite team in the AFC. It's always an AFC team for us, because why would you pick a team over in the, in the same conference, right? Because <laughs> once you play him in the playoffs, you're going to hate him for the rest of history, right? Especially if bullcrap happens like that Saints game, because I used to like the Saints. I cannot stand them. I just look at them and I want to burn everything I see. 35-9, Miami over Denver. Go figure. New York Jets romp all over the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, not really, but they scored a lot of points against one of the best defenses in football. 38-31. to 31. <laughs> Hey, good good one, a Chiefs zone host, former Chiefs zone host, who I won't mention his name because that guy is a jackass. Yeah, Chiefs zone, that was a podcast that's defunct because he decided he's too good for it. And uh, yeah, well... Too bad, too too bad. My numbers beat him every single week. Yet he was still so much better than me, right? Every single week, even when his team was great and my team sucked at the time, 2013 years like that. Anyhow, we'll keep going. I'll, I'll, no reason to air any dirty laundry, right, Joey? Jacksonville 30, Indianapolis 10. Whatever. That was too easy, I suppose. Indianapolis is garbage. Ah, uh, Los Angeles over Cleveland. That's an easy win. The Los Angeles Chargers, that is, not the Rams. Um. <clears throat> But the Chargers still winning games, and the Browns are still 0-12. Oakland over the New York Giants. They're kind of semi-staying alive, but not really. You know, they just kind of stink. Um, I don't know. They, there's still a chance, I guess. But even if they make it, though, what are they going to do? Um, yeah, they're 6-6, six and six, so I shouldn't say that. They've been creeping back in the playoff picture. But you beat the Giants, though. You beat the Giants. You didn't beat the Giants of like even just last year when they were still kind of good. You beat like this year's version of the Giants, who completely suck. And they benched, uh, they benched Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno Smith, I mean, it's one thing when it's a Mitchell Trubisky type of guy. And, you know, don't look at this the wrong way, please, by the way. It's, it's because Geno Smith has been in the NFL for a long time and he's failed already. That's what I'm talking about. Not because of this guy's this and that guy's that. <laughs> Geno Smith's been in the league a while. He's a veteran. He's not, a, he's not an up-and-comer. So, please, you know. It's not an up-and-coming draft pick. Like, that's a rookie. What are you doing, New York Giants? You're just pissing all over a guy that accomplished two miracles for your franchise. Two miracles. You're just pissing all over him. For what? Unless he was willing to... Uh, unless he was openly like, okay, whatever. But um, maybe they are just tanking, and that's all there is to it. Derek Carr ended up getting the win for the Giants. Let's move over the Giants, pardon me. Um, the Los Angeles Rams romped all over the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Another just kind of a meh. It's just showing the showing the difference between some teams to others. You know, the Cardinals were kind of they still have a respectable record, believe it or not, despite what's what feels like a three and thirteen type of year. They're five and seven, so they're still kind of in the hunt, but nah, not in the NFC right now. The NFC is too strong for the Cardinals to even think of making the playoffs. Even if they run the table, they wouldn't make it. Blaine Gabbert, your quarterback. Wow, another Jacksonville Jaguar failed quarterback. Ah, <sighs> whatever, right? Who's this Kerwin Williams guy? I'm not seeing any uh, Adrian Peterson or anything. Well, too bad, I guess. It ain't Sherwin Williams either, unless he's painting the field, I guess. But, okay, I'm sorry. I, could, I couldn't resist that. Rams are uh, hanging in there. They're still strong as ever. They're 9-3. and three. They're, wow, they've been good ever since the Vikings beat them. And that's about all there is to it. The two teams were tied, remember, at 6-2 uh, and two at the time, if I remember correctly. Vikings went to 7-2, and two, all that good stuff. Um... Vikings went to eight and two, I believe. Yes, eight and two. Then you beat the Lions nine and two, 
and you beat the freaking Mickey freaking Atlanta Falcons. Now you're 10 and 2. Unbelievable. So let's look at the uh, NFC North division. Baltimore crushes the Detroit Lions. That's right. Baltimore crushes the Detroit Lions, the team that was hanging in there for the longest period of time. Now they're another one of the six and six bunches. There's about a million six and six teams out there right now, like a million. And Detroit's one of them. So I guess that kind of sucks to be you, Detroit. Um, after hanging in there as long as they did, they had a nice little resurgence. They stayed in second place for as long as they did. And I love those two colors together, that purple and blue. It looks kind of cool when you look at the, uh, the fonts and everything. Drew Stafford, very accurate, but he had an interception and a fumble lost along the way. That did not help. Joe Flacco, a guy who, again, looked like he was left for dead when he was in the Skull Stadium. Skull! Okay, sorry. In the Skull Stadium. <laughs> the beginning of the Skull Chad there, even though you think it was around like 50 years ago, but it wasn't. Um, it originated in U.S. Bank Stadium. Isn't that weird? But it did. Um, Joe Flacco, who looked like he was scold. At the time, the Baltimore Ravens were here, along with the rest of that team. Look like they're just done. And Joe Flacco just continues to look like the Joe Flacco of old, where kept the team going, kept the team alive, and, uh, well, hey, they're probably going to make it. And good on them for that. And remember the year they won the Super Bowl in 2012? They were only 10-6, and six, and the freaking Ray Lewis came back with his robotic arm. And things went uh, the way they did. They ended up beating San Francisco in the Super Bowl and the Harbaugh Bowl. I don't think Baltimore's going to go to the Super Bowl, but I don't know. Maybe it would be the Purple Bowl. Vikings versus uh, Baltimore. The Purple versus the Purple. And the worst part of all, the Baltimore Ravens would be wearing the the Purple jerseys. We'd be wearing the White jerseys. That is just some sadistic bleepity bleep. Why should your home conference be the road team? <laughs> That's so dumb, isn't it? Uh, you know, like, why should the home conference for that stadium be the road team, but I guess that's the way they've been setting it up, so good for them, I guess, just in case, so the Vikings that have to wear road whites at home, pretty weird, and it's not some special event other than, oh, it's kind of special, it's just the Super Bowl, though, that's all, but yeah, it's just kind of weird, though, what's the point, Green Bay Packers, the Bays, the Battle of the Bays, oh, man, Lambeau Field, Green Bay, well, they were trailing for a little while, then they caught way up, or they took the lead, Tampa Bay got the lead back, Green Bay hung, uh, hang, hung in there, and they end up winning the game in overtime, 26-20. Young Brett, unlike the old Brett, did had, had an okay game. No, he wasn't the reason they won that game at all. Um, Jamal Williams, very good on the ground and all that good stuff. Tampa Bay's defense is not as advertised. Brett Hundley, better with his legs than with his arm. He had a very icky game, less than 60%, which is not good in football. Interception, he was sacked a few times. Quarterback rating, not even 50 and Jameis Winston kept the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the game, but ultimately ended up losing. He did lose a fumble in the game, did not have a, uh interception. But Green Bay, it's a home run. It's a strikeout or home run defense, uh, seven sacks along the way. And that's the way Green Bay is with the guys like Claymaker and such. They're going to get a turnover or, a, or or like several sacks, or they might give up like 300 yards. So that's kind of what Green Bay's defense is. And luckily they hit uh, some home runs when they needed to, and it was good enough. And the Packers are still in the mix. They're another 6-6 six and six team. And Aaron Rodgers is throwing footballs. And Aaron Rodgers is throwing footballs. I just said that. Yeah. I just said it. Aaron Rodgers is throwing footballs. <laughs> and the Packers are still alive. Uh, the most amount of games they can win is the least amount of games the Vikings can win. So that's the good part. We don't really have to worry too much about that, I hope. I would really sincerely hope. Tampa Bay, NFC champions, according to the Purple Mafia host Joseph Joey Awajan, Paladino Joey. 
Yeah, well, at least I manned up to it, right? <laughs> uh, the 6-6 six and six Oakland, Oakland Raiders, AFC champions and Super Bowl champions. They'll host Lombardi in U.S. Bank Stadium. Paladino Joey, August 2017. Again, I manned up to it. See, did I admit it or did I admit it? After all the bragging I did in the past, picking the games perfectly a couple years ago, was it the 2014 playoffs, which ultimately the 2015 Super Bowl, I had a perfect record that year where the New England Patriots ended up beating the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Perfect record. This year, well, maybe I'll have a good record in January, but uh, the uh, original season prediction, well, yeah. No, not too good. Let's move on here. I'm dragging already, so but I'm enjoying the conversation. I hope you are as well. New Orleans Saints end up beating next week's opponent and their divisional opponent. The team that's trying to knock them out at first could not do it. 31-21, to the Carolina Panthers defeated by the New Orleans Saints who don't lose ever anymore. They just don't, and ay ay ay, kind of scary. I'm kind of scared. Drew Brees could pass a football in his sleep, I think. Cam Newton wasn't bad. He didn't turn the ball over. He actually was fairly sharp in the game, and he got 51 yards on the ground and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's a kind of a typical Cam Newton game in a lot of ways, minus the turnover. See, you, you get this type of Cam Newton where he'll get under 200 yards, he'll get a couple touchdowns, and his accuracy will be okay. Okay accuracy. That's that's the Cam Newton you normally see other than that one magical season when they went 15-1 and because that's not going to happen ever again. I guarantee you. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I can safely make that prediction. The Carolina Panthers in the uh, Cam Newton era will never be 15-1 and again. Uh, Shaq Thompson was limping around into the locker room at the end of the half, and the, the Saints were maintaining their lead despite a really nice turnover forced by Mr. Adams there, Mike Adams of the Carolina Panthers. They still have that defense that's decent, and they're coached by Ron Rivera, who's a defensive coordinator of the Bears years ago, and he's done a good job, and you're going against the captain, Captain Morgan Munnerlyn. Yeah, I'm a little worried about some of those guys, but they're ever beatable. And bottom line, yeah, Julius Peppers, there's a guy who's been around forever. And yes, Mike Adams is one of the better safeties, and he had a nice uh, forced fumble along the way. Um, he, he's a good safety. He's there, Harry the Hitman, I guess you could say. And Captain Munnerlyn is there, uh, Terrence Newman, I suppose. Decent slot receiver in that case. Julius Peppers is ancient history, but he still got it a bit for the most part. Shaq Thompson, we'll see what happens. He's that young up-and-comer. And the funny part is he was probably born after Shaquille O'Neal. The original Shaq was already playing for the Orlando Magic or I don't think the Lakers. I don't think Shaq Thompson. Well, maybe. How old is Shaq Thompson? I, I'm curious because I remember him being in the draft not not that long ago, right? Shaq Thompson, 2015. So, wow. Okay, what am I talking about? He was born in 94. So, yep, still with the Magic in Sacramento, California. So, yeah. Sacramento, home of the Kings, Shaq Thompson. Man, 2015, seems like two days ago he was drafted, but okay, you get the idea. All these familiar names, Luke Kigley, all these guys, Julius Peppers, Mike Adams, Captain Munderland, blah, 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 Brian Cox, just like the original Brian Cox. All these solid defensive players that formed a great defense two years ago, 15-1 team, 15-1 team, Cam Newton, the MVP, but the Vikings have always, always, always played well against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina and in uh, TCF Bank Stadium recently. And TCF Bank Stadium, and you know the Vikings always play well against this club. So why should I pick against them? I I can't do it anymore. I I can't. I mean, I picked the Vikings to lose to the Rams. I picked this. I picked that. I can't pick them to lose. 
despite, you know, they have some talented guys, obviously. Okay, Cam Newton is ever capable, but the Vikings know how to kick his butt. I mean, if you can beat, if you can beat Matt Ryan in Atlanta, why can't you beat Cam Newton in Cam Newton, Cam Newton in North Carolina? I'm going ape crap. Jonathan Stewart's about 100 years old, um, but he's still halfway decent. He's still got that power as a running back, and Christian McCaffrey is a hybrid He's like a wide receiver running back. You know, he looks like a wide receiver. He plays like a wide receiver, but he's also a halfway decent running back, but not that good. Uh, Jonathan Stewart's still the feature back. In fact, you could almost say Cam Newton is the feature back in a lot of ways because he's never capable of scampering along the way, and he's never had a serious knee injury, which is a lot of the reason why he's uh, stayed, uh, you know, athletic and spry and all that. And knock on wood, I don't want him to have a serious knee injury. You don't have to like the guy. But again, I'm not rooting for Aaron Rodgers to tear his ACL either. You know, we can hate him all we want, but ACL injuries are not good. Um, well, should I say it again? Should I say the words one more time? <laughs> because I saw just how effect- effective the running game was against the Carolina Panthers. Should I say it again? Mark Ingram made them look like crap. And yeah, he had a 72-yard scamper to Pater. That made things look a hell of a lot better. Um, but he looked good at times, obviously, and Alvin Kamara was very solid throughout the game. Throughout the game. Uh, two t- three touchdowns on the ground from these guys. Mark Ingram, obviously, but it was more Kamara especially. He looks good out there. Um, solid, very solid. Why the heck shouldn't the Vikings be able to run, run against this team? And, of course, again, the way the Vikings are ever capable of pressuring and frustrating a quarterback, even if they don't get a single sack on one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Matt, New- Matt Newman. Now oh, I'm going crazy. Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, even as long, you, you know, you get no sacks in the guy, yet you still prevent them from getting in the end zone once. The second, or maybe, well, you know, he's maybe third to fourth best quarterback in football. The best receiver in football. Uh, a running back tandem that's ever dangerous. And I think I think Carolina's running back, is, running back uh, tandem is dangerous a little bit too. But, mm. Ah, uh, Vikings defense better be able to hold up against those guys. I got to think. Cam Newton's probably more of a threat, obviously, because he's going to, you know, possibility he's going to throw the ball. And then if he's able to tuck the ball under and go for a first down, that could be frustrating. But the Vikings on third and long this past year, they really, really corrected that problem. Because remember last year, that was the Vikings' Achilles heel the entire season, particularly uh, after that five-game start, 5-0 and start. Um couldn't bring down Matthew Stabbard, couldn't bring down this guy, couldn't bring down their great-great-great-great-grandmother. They couldn't bring her down either. It was that bad. And now they are the best team in the NFL at third and long defense. So why shouldn't the Vikings beat the Carolina Panthers? I ask one more time, why shouldn't the Vikings be able to beat the Carolina Panthers? They will beat the Carolina Panthers. Um, Latavius Murray, I think again, will be very, very effective in the game, will be a big factor. He'll probably break loose one time or so, for 25 to 35-ish. I think he's ever capable of doing that. I don't ever see the 75-yard thing. But it just seems like he's getting more and more spry each week, doesn't it? It's like he's due for something crazy like that. He's due for like a 130-yard type of game, two-touchdown type of deal. He's due for it. Even though he doesn't have the speed, he has the shiftiness, he has the power, and he has the skill. He has the special skills that Matt Asiata clearly did not have. He also has the offensive line that Matt Asiata clearly did not have. And you have a quarterback in Case Keenum that can break sacks. He can he can completely frustrate opposing uh, defensive lines, linebackers, whatever it is coming his way, blitzing corners, whatever the heck. He just finds a way to get rid of the ball 
and protect the ball as well. You're, you're rid of Adrian Peterson. Who could, every time he touched the ball, he thought he might fumble. These guys are protecting the football like I've never seen. I, I mean, this team protects the ball better than any Viking team I've ever seen, and I'm going to... I better be quite careful there, but... Then it better last forever, by the way, too, not just... Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have an interception, let it be when you're up by, like, 25 in the fourth quarter or something, and then just say, okay, be careful next week, that type of thing. Pat on the back. <laughs> but uh, this Vikings team needs to beat Carolina. They absolutely can. And, yes, you're going to hear time and again during the fan interaction about how oh, this team needs to run the table. And I hope they do. <laughs> and who, who wouldn't hope they do, right? Vikings will win the football game. Again, I, you know, this team is, has always frustrated Cam Newton. Why shouldn't we be able to do it this time? Again, I mean, I, I can't keep saying it. You know, I can't say it enough is what I'm trying is what I'm trying to get through to you. And, of course, the running game of the Minnesota Vikings. There's no reason why this running game shouldn't be able to go against this team, um, the running back tandem. The Saints made them look pretty silly at times. And, of course, Drew Brees could, again, pass blindfolded, I think. He's just that good. Um, it won't be the highest-scoring game ever because it rarely is. I mean, you keep Atlanta to nine points. Oh, why shouldn't the Vikings keep Carolina down? So Minnesota's going to win the game. Uh, 21-14. 21-14, Minnesota will win the football game, or 21-10, 21-14, Minnesota will win the football game. I'm not going to get too cocky here. Vikings will win by a touchdown, 21-14. Not sure what the score is going to be along the way. Will the Vikings have their 21 points in the third quarter and then just kind of play stymie football the most of the way? Carolina will scare us a little bit, but then when the when the... When the dust settles, Carolina is not going to get the job done. That type of deal. 21-14, Minnesota will win the football game. And that's about all she wrote. I think the Vikings will get a turnover on Cam Newton at some point. A forced fumble or an interception, an unforced error, that type of thing by Cam Newton. Well, actually, maybe a forced error in the fumble department. Pardon me. But unforced error with the interception at some point. That type of deal. So... There it is. Minnesota 2114. We'll be back with Fan Interaction and Mad Martin's Mad Takes is back again. We uh, escaped the great escape. Those bleeping refs really didn't help, did they? Uh, but it's all good, Joey. The de facto NFC title game was won. And now we just have to wait for 10 days for our next exciting adventure in Atlanta. Mm. So the division is sewn up. Almost. Um, unless we went on some sort of disastrous five-game losing streak. Um... I don't believe that's going to happen. But equally, we have two very difficult road games coming up at Atlanta, at uh, Carolina. Win those, then we really can start to think about the possibilities of this team playing at home all the way through the postseason. Wouldn't that be an incredible achievement from this team? Anyway, I want to go back to that Detroit game. What the bleeping hell were those refs playing at? That uh, Stefan Diggs... P.I., what a joke. Call me cynical. Does the NFL 
want to keep games competitive when potentially that core had been pulled. That could have put the nails in that game's coffin well and truly. Um, the CFL, for example, the Canadian Football League, they have reviews in pass interference. Now, we have reviews in so many bloody things in the game these days. Why on earth are they not doing it? Or is it, again, does the NFL want to keep games close and competitive? Um, really annoying. And the Case Keenum um, taunting. What a load of bull crap. Oh, come on. All he literally did was throw the ball down in frustration. Oh, it hits a Detroit player. That's taunting? Well, clearly, I know nothing about the rules of football. Cretins. As to uh, Matthew Stafford, um, you expect him to get the job done. He's a franchise quarterback, so him and Rodgers, you expect them to keep their teams in the game as much as possible. So I'm never surprised. And also bear in mind, the guy's on $27 million a year. Our guy's on $2 million. It's kind of nice, isn't it? (laughs) We're paying peanuts almost. Um, But that brings me round to the subject of what do we do at quarterback in the postseason if, and it's a big if, Keenum took us to the Super Bowl? What do we do? Surely, if he won it or he took us to the championship game, this is his team next season. It's his team to lead. Although, personally, I would be happy to see them sign Keenum and Bridgewater. I don't personally feel Bridgewater will command big bucks on the open market. He's not done enough. I mean, this team... Obviously, he's excited about him, but he's got that knee, and we've not seen great things from him yet. So I, th- I think it's, there's a, a good argument to put forward that this team can afford to bring both of those two players back and let them compete to see who is the starter in 2018. And also, there's Sam Bradford. I'd like to see him back if that knee is, um, you know, functional and he can do the job, but. Spillman's got a big, big job to decide in the off-season. And I'm still not a Spillman supporter, I'm afraid. Um, on the wide receiving front, I think you can take as a key. He brought in Cordaro Patterson. Bust. Treadwell. Looks like a bust. He's got lucky with Diggs. He's got lucky with Phelan. Um, his selection of quarterbacks has been questionable. We all remember the glorious years with Ponder. Mmm, Yuck. So a massive decision to come. I'd like your thoughts on that and uh, see if you have a different take to me. But I'd like to see Keenan back. And if he does lead this team very deep into the postseason, I think it's a strong case for Case to be the quarterback. Right. Take it easy, mate. And here we go. Let's get a win against the Vulcans. Let's beat the Dirty Birds. Repeat after me. Beat the Dirty Birds. Skull brothers and sisters. Let's beat the Falcons. And we did. Oh, I love it. Let's beat those Falcons. <laughs> yes, and this is the third segment, Fan Interaction. Mad Martin leading things off, of course, in, in a spectacular fashion. Well, that's the number one topic going into the offseason. That would be the quarterback situation. So, And yes, real quick, the PI situation with... Uh, Stefan takes, I don't know, it's like baseball. I'm telling you, it's like baseball. It's big strike zone, small strike zone, you know, and 
you know, in basketball, it's the same thing too. Certain guys get calls or whatever, or just certain nights. Like, people are getting hacked all night. There's no fouls called. And the next night, somebody's going to foul out in the third quarter in the NBA. Stuff like that. Uh, baseball, especially though, the uh, small strike zone where everybody's walking and the pitchers are getting frustrated. And then the next night, everybody's striking out and everybody's yelling at the umpire. The batters are all yelling and the pitcher gets 13 strikeouts. All that kind of stuff. That's kind of what it is. I mean, that's just the nature of the league. Ticky-tack PIs and then PIs that aren't called at all. I mean, the swallowing the uh, the whistle. And that can be extremely frustrating. As for the quarterback position, you know, Paul Allen, I always say he's a better uh, uh play-by-play announcer, and he's one of the best in the NFL than a radio show host. He used to be a great radio show host. I just think he dropped off over the years. Like, you know, too much on his plate. Maybe he just gets bored. I don't know what it is. He goes off into just bullcrap segments. Like, whenever he has a guest on, there's two segments. You can always count on the one of the two segments being complete garbage. So you just forward through it as quick as possible. And then the second segment, oh, okay, let's get serious. He always says that as in... So the last 10 minutes, you've just been you've just been working for nothing, right? Just having a BS conversation. I hate that so much. But it is what it is. That's why you hit the forward button. And that's why, in turn, I never listen live. So, but he did. But to get to my point, which I need to get to now, otherwise I'm a hypocrite, is he came up with a pretty interesting possible solution is you bring them both back. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, maybe bring them both back because, well, I mean, it's doable. Like you said, they haven't done enough to warrant a massive contract. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, there's fear with the knee injury and all that stuff, and he hasn't played a game in two years. And Phil Mackey says that a lot, uh, obviously, on 1500. And it's not because he's against Bridgewater. He's just saying, well, I mean, he's just be, being honest about the whole thing about his, it's been a while. Now you're pretty much like it or not. Case Keenum is the guy, at least this year. And Case Keenum, well, he's had one good season compared to several, like, you know, there's just not much going on, not much of a, a sample size. So I don't think he can demand $27 million. Maybe you come up with 24, that's what PA was saying, 22 to $24 million and split it between the two quarterbacks, that type of thing. That might sound kind of crazy, but there are high-priced backup quarterbacks. Maybe, I mean, you give one more than the other, this type of thing. Obviously, it would have to be Keenan, particularly if he led the team to a Super Bowl, either victory or to the NFC title game, whatever it is. Keenum, it'd be nice to get him to stay if somebody out there like the New York Jets goes ape bleep and tries to throw a lot of money at him and he says, okay, then so be it. Same with the Cleveland Browns or whatever. That's what could happen. And one way or another, I do think Teddy Bridgewater will be on the Minnesota Vikings roster as the starter or as the backup next year depending on how much money is thrown at Case Keenum. If Case is willing to come back for 10 to 12 a year and Teddy's willing to come back for, you know, 8 to eight to 10 a year, something like that, go for it. Um, that might sound kind of crazy, but, if you know, it is what it is. I mean, that way you're able to keep them both and you make a decision as time continues. I don't think that's a bad idea at all, actually. I, I really don't. And you know how football is. It's not like hockey where you sign Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter to a $13 million contract and you're stuck with a cap hit of $7.5 million for 13 years, regardless of how the contract is uh, shaped up, where it's maybe, it's like $9 million at the beginning for the first several years and then it drops all the way down to $1 million in their fi- final two years, but the cap hit remains $7.5 million regardless if you cut the player, waive the player, whatever. Um, well, if you wave them and somebody picks them up, then you're off the hook, but uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe Suter, but at the same time, you probably wouldn't want to 
wave sooner because he's your best defenseman. And then, you know, Parisi, yeah, nobody's going to pick up that salary. So now there I go talking about Brave the Wild. But I'm just saying, you're not stuck as much. Signing bonuses are signing bonuses, so you're stuck with that part. But it's easier to make a move if you have to in the NFL by releasing a player if, say, this person just, you know, it didn't work out. Like they're hurt or they're just not... Uh, they're not good. They're not good. Like he, he had his miracle year or, and he's terrible now. Or say Teddy Bridgewater's all washed up, that type of situation. Trying not to cough to death. I'm suddenly getting a frog in my throat. What the heck? But uh, yeah, that's the number one topic going into the off season. And I stand by what Paul Allen said. I like that. I like it a lot. Obviously big tests coming up. But the way this team is playing right now, it's hard to doubt him, and that's what I talked about in segment number two. Let's get to the Twitter account immediately, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. UK, Minnesota Vikings, and Mad Martin had an ongoing conversation, and my Twitter was in there. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go over the whole thing here. But uh, he was talking about how if, say, Shermer left to be a head coach somewhere, that was uh, that uh, this is UK, Minnesota Vikings uh, commenting. At UK Vikes fans. That's what it says. That's the Twitter account. He said most likely Shermer would take Bradford with him because they had their association in St. Louis and in Philadelphia. So, yeah, I mean, that's very possible right there. <clears throat> if Pat Shermer were to move on to be a head coach, maybe he would take Bradford. So, yeah, that's the other thing. And, if, and even and Mad Martin was talking about bringing back Bradford. I'm thinking that's the least likely scenario. So, Mad Martin says fourth team together. I agree. Also, he would have the best info on the knee, on that knee, up the whole knee situation. But I'm not thinking about offseason yet. Not thinking beyond the next game. But you did a little bit in the call, which is good, though. That's good. I mean, so it's you got to talk about it anyway. So like it or not, it's going to be a topic. Um, Mad Martin says, so basically we have a two-game advantage for the second seed. Destiny is in our hands now. I'm nervous. And yeah, it is in our hands. You know, you just keep winning and you'll be, you know, obviously, you know, we're in the second seed, almost guaranteed at this point. Almost, not quite. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. Mad Martin, by the way, is out of Northern Scotland. Tanae Brown says, has there been much talk about Zim for coach of the year? Lost to starting quarterback, running back, brand new line, and the team is 9-2 and two and now 10-2, and two, which is insane. He should be right up there. Yeah. Um, we haven't heard much about it yet, but uh, maybe it's too early, I guess. But I think he's right at the top. He's probably going to get it, I think. It's either him or uh, the St. Louis Rams, or excuse me, Los Angeles Rams coach, the young guy there in Los Angeles. I think it's between those two at this moment. Mad Martin jumps back and says, Did Case have too much time to prepare for this game? <laughs> no, for over, you know, for overthinking the game. Yep, that's the Atlanta. Yep, that's current today. He says, starting to get a bad vibe about this game. Hope I'm wrong. And yeah, for several weeks in a row, I've been like that. That Rams game, I was like, I don't like this at all. <clears throat> the Washington game, I didn't like at the beginning. It seemed kind of scary the way Kirk Cousins was running all over us, uh, passing all over us and all that. But luckily, the Vikings tend to all just, you know, get in gear and finish the job. He says, indeed, hope you're right. Nerves getting ready. And that's what I was saying. How, yeah, I was telling him how I don't know. I was saying I, I'm, I'm a wee bit scared myself, but luckily, luckily it looks like a Zimmer game, low scoring and kind of messy, and that's exactly what it was, 14-9, to 9, low scoring and kind of messy, which was in our favor. Ned Martin says, Case needs to relax and let it go quicker. Not seeing Thielen wide open, yep, on the first drive was a big one, and that was six points. O-line doing okay, but Case is holding the ball way too long and putting them under pressure. Need points on this drive. And ultimately, the Vikings did get there. Thank God. He says that TD felt so good. 8 o'clock and gave the D a rest. That was actually the later touchdown. 
that one made me feel like a million bucks as well, my friend. That was a big deal. Mad Martin continues with a chop block from uh, uh, Nick Easton. He says, uh, good old chop block. Killed that drive. Another stand needed by our D. Too close for my liking. Dirty birds missed a field goal. If that had been 17 years ago, oh my, yeah. If it had been. I wish Morton Anderson did miss that last one. Mad Martin says, Phew, my nerves are fried, but 10-2. and two, Best start since 9 How's that for a backup and a solid D? Still believe we have to win out if we are going to see the Purple in Minneapolis in February. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, clearly, we can win on the road. That's the good part. But Philadelphia would be the hardest test we've had all year. Yeah. Harder than Atlanta. Harder than the Rams. Harder than Detroit. That's a given. And we'll keep going. UK Viking fan says, Feel much the same. You're correct. We have to win out. Mad Martin, a couple more here, says, So we've got to support the Sea Chickens later. WTF. Hate them. But if they dagger the Eagles, I'm a fan for three hours at least. Mad Martin continues to uh, wraps up his part of this, says, So Mike Zimmer goes to 36 and 24. That's 600 with quarterback issues he's had to deal with. That's amazing. And the Twitter is wrapped up with uh, UK Minnesota Vikings, says, Maybe our old kicker can, can help out and also put the boot in. Yeah, maybe. So let's move on to Facebook. Let's uh, first give a quick shout out to MN Vikes fan or MN Vikings Haven. That is MN Vikings Haven. Pardon me. <laughs> the creator is Trevor Wickerin, and he is kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on his page. Thank you again, Trevor. I really appreciate it. As for the Facebook page for Purple Mafia, it's facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia show. All this will be in the show description for you to just click on the link or copy paste, whatever it is. So I'd like to get started on that ASAP, but everything just turned white on me for some reason. That's not supposed to happen, but I guess it always does when you want to get on with things. Uh, no comments on the last actual podcast thread, so we'll continue from there. The in-game thread quite busy today. Not Emer was saying how we had to grind things out. He's out of the UK. Patrick Grant was saying Zim has got to manage the clock and hold on to the ball for the win. Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, oh, sweet baby Jesus, let the football gods be with us. Dave Vicky out of Iowa says, yes, big miss. And that was the kick by uh, Mr. Bryant. Anyway, we can get a victory. I don't care how it looks, but I do have digs in fantasy. So come on, Stefan. And you did have a nice gain on that following drive. Josh Mayor Henry out of Colorado says, just put together a time-eating drive now. And thank God they did. <laughs> a couple of them. Uh, Brett McCarthy said he believes Kurt back out of Brett McCarthy is out of South Dakota. If I didn't already, yeah, I did. Uh, Kurt back is out of White Bear Lake. He says, "Is this a joke? Did we just win? Tell me I'm not dreaming." <laughs> Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi <clears throat> has a up has that logo there. Vikings with that skull in the background, pretty cool there. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. I believe he got the Gold Star last week, if I remember correctly. Josh Mayer Henry was saying big time win. Now we have the Panthers next week on the road. We get that one and we almost lock up the number two seed. And yeah, it's amazing to think three road games in a row. That's kind of rare in the NFL, isn't it? That's pretty impressive. Case Keenum says Case or excuse me, Cedric Paulding says Case came through. I'm glad this was a I'm glad this was a great win. And yeah, considering we're two and an O so far on this three game road trip. Just incredible. And of course, you won in Washington. So this team has just been insane. I'm just, I'm just very pleased with it, uh, with how things have changed with this club from last year to this. It's just been uh, a remarkable run, without a doubt. I'm trying to look, see if there's anything, uh, 
No, nope, we'll leave that alone. Let's go into the uh, post-game thread here. Brett McCarthy says, love this team. Matt Emer says, bruising. Tucker Hallstrom, who's local in Minnesota here, says, huge win today. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says, that was hard fought. It was ugly at times. I was definitely nervous for most of the game, but I went in confident they'd pull out. Pull it out. So glad they proved me right. It was a great... Ah, I'm going crazy. It was great to again see so many Viking fans in an, in an away crowd. Yeah, you could hear a lot of cheering when things went the Vikings' way. A lot, actually. He says, I absolutely love hearing and seeing the skull chant <laughs> in a road stadium. This win was big. There's no denying it. Onward to North Carolina. Yes, sir. Sebastian Barton says, wins are wins. Doesn't need to be pretty on the road. True. Uh, Tony Coleman says, true dad. And Sebastian Barton is also Sebastian Balls. Out of... Mankato. Cedric Paulding has his comment here. It says, this team showed guts, and I think their confidence is extremely high. Skull, yep, no doubt. No doubt about that. Mark Carlson, out of Iowa, says, this is how you win. You play smart, you play as a team, and you manage the clock. Skull, the defense is the star of the game. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, Xavier Rhodes, and I gave it to three people today because it was a total team effort. Kurt Back, says, I think this was the biggest and most important win yet. And yeah, uh, it just it just seems to keep going that way. They just keep growing, don't they? They keep growing. Gerald String out of Nebraska says, great teams find ways to win games like these. Two road wins in a row against pretty tough teams. Skull Pro Mafia Nation goes the X tonight only. Yep. Dave Vicky again says, I knew this would be a tough game today. I even picked Atlanta in my weekly pick em. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it for the longest time. It really did. He says, and then as I was putting on my H. Smith jersey, I thought I can't pick him against my Vikings. So lucky I switched my pick. Nice. Tony Coleman says, I can't ever pick against the Vikings at work. One of my employees and I make weekly picks on behalf of the business. I've told her I'm always picking Minnesota. So if you think otherwise, you make the pick. I can't pick against the purple. And look at me. I picked up against the Vikings, against the uh, the Rams. I, I was scared in that game, man. So that's kind of one of those things. Jamie Vibana Rush was saying, who's streaming the game? And Mark Carlson said, nope, watched it live today. But uh, understood, understood how things can go that uh, at times. Uh, miss you, Brent Jacobson. Shout out to you and others out there. Uh, Justin Mayer Henry, where are you? Uh, Josh Mayer Henry, very active today in the in-game thread. Sometimes I like to bounce around in there, but there's usually so many comments back and forth. Patrick Grant was pretty active, and I liked what he had to say. Josh Mayer Henry, Patrick Grant, both probably deserve stars. I think Tony Coleman, Mark Carlson, a lot of you guys deserve stars. Uh, Dave Hickey always does. I mean, he's just so awesome. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like you want to give it to Eric. Obviously, Dave Martin, you know, it's like he's like a just a superstar. Um, Mm. So I'm going to probably, yeah, I mean, there, I got to the visitor post a little bit quieter this week, but still <clears throat> trying to keep up with things as well. Um, I'm recording maybe slightly earlier than, slightly earlier than normal, but still actually quite active. And that's what counts. And I really want to thank all of you who have told your friends about this show because one way or another, the numbers have increased and it's been really fun this season. And well, this team deserves it. This team deserves the ratings they're getting on this show and, and others and the interest the fans are giving them. So awesome. Hopefully just stick with this team and hope this continues. I hope this never ends until Lombardi is, is uh, held by the purple in the Skull Stadium and U.S. Bank Stadium. It would be the happiest day of our lives. Wearing white jerseys, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what color the jerseys are as long as 
purple and gold is and, and white are coming down from the uh, are purple gold and white confetti are coming down from the sky in the uh, u.s bank stadium that would be just a dream come true like none of us could ever believe i think part of it also was there was a little bit less weekly news so that's good there wasn't like injury this and 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 this guy's that but uh, case keenum did get the player of the month award though so that's a big step towards an MVP vote. So that's just, that's really a big deal for Case Keenum. He is one of the MVPs of football this year. Though most people would tell you Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz is the favorite at the moment. And I can't blame them for that. So that just kind of is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to pass out the stars. Gold star of the week is going to go to Dave Hickey. Dave Hickey's going to get the gold star of the week. Outstanding. Josh Mayer, Henry, silver star, along with Man Martin, who could get superstars all the time, like a gold-plated silver star because of those incredible call-ins every week. Um, Sebastian Barton was very active today. I think he always, he usually tells me not to give him a star, but I can at minimum give him a purple star, honorary type of star, uh, purple bronze star. You know, he's just very good. Uh, Mark Carlson will get a bronze along with... Uh, Gerald String, you guys just outstanding today. Thank you, always. I mean, I could give it to so many people. Brett McCarthy, Tony Coleman, those guys are always stars. But for this week, yep, gold star to Dave Hickey. Uh, silver star to Josh Mayer, Henry, and, and Man Martin. Um, uh, and a bronze stars to Mark Carlson and Gerald String. So thanks again, everybody, so much for your inclusion. Got the tree up, got all that going. I guess I had it already up last weekend. I got the little dinky one here, too. Love this little guy. Got the bigger one up last weekend. Had the dinky one up here two weeks ago already. That's crazy. Dinky little thing. Again, it's about five inches high. And I helped my parents put up their first tree in the last three years or something. So, cool. Nice to know they have a tree again. It's nice. Uh, mine is not real, but it looks good. That's for sure. Uh, because, well, the lighting is professionally wired onto the tree. So where, you know, my parents, my dad did it himself, so it's a little, not as pretty, but because, you know, it's not professionally done, so to speak. When it's professionally done, it has to be just about perfect, because you're literally selling the tree based on how well the uh, the lighting is and all that, so, yeah, it makes mine look a little more picture perfect, but you don't get that wonderful, wonderful pine smell that's on a Christmas tree. Oh, it is just the most priceless thing. I, I can never take that for granted, ever. But um, I'll have to enjoy the fake one. Well, at least I'm an apartment liver. If I ever get a freaking house, then yeah, I'll finally have a real tree again one day. One day. And I'll always buy one that's already been cut. I feel bad going and cutting one, even though those trees are literally grown to get to be sold as a Christmas tree. It just is what it is. But when it's already cut, it's already cut. You know, its life is already cut off. So might as well pick it up while it's, while it's there. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So it is what it is. Um, Boy, <laughs> and Menards has nice deals on them usually. They might not be the prettiest trees in the whole wide world, but they're pretty enough. I mean, they're not that bad, that's for sure. We never really got a bad deal there, so that is what it is. Look at me plugging Menards for what reason. <laughs> come on, come on, <laughs> join Purple Mafia, Menards. Save big money at Menards. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, join the Purple Mafia and call in the phone line and save at Menards. Okay, sorry. Ah. I think I, I think I could call it a day here. I'm losing my mind. Please join the phone lines. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling into the Purple Mafia show or Purple Mafia 
do your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. It's about it's a three minute limit on the voicemail. That's why I say do treat it as such. And then there's the call now button on the Facebook page. You just click the call now button and it goes through Facebook Messenger to the same number. So as long as you have Wi-Fi or cell phone connection, whatever it is, you will get in. Any type of internet connection, you will get through regardless where you're located. As long as you're literally connected to the internet, you're good to go. So, yeah, like I always say, even if you're on the International Space Station, as long as there's Wi-Fi, you'll get connected to Purple Mafia Show. And then there's the route where there's no real limit. But I prefer to keep it around five minutes or so. Certain people, they get uh, bigger green lights. I mean, Mad Martin has a green light, you know, and others. So I don't always prefer necessarily like a half-hour call or anything, and he's never done that. Um, I've given Sebastian a full segment before because it was like the, you know, State of the Vikings type of show. And he's always welcome to do that, you know, on a particularly those premium type shows, State of the Vikings type shows, like a full, literally a full segment, like a 20-minute, half-hour type of segment type of deal. Those are always very fun and very welcome on those premium type shows. And you know what? Hey, it's less work for me, you know? <laughs> it's less work for me, and you get a whole segment. It's all yours. And, yeah, it's your moment. You get your bully pulpit, your whatever you want to call it, soapbox, or just sit back, enjoy, and, and listen, and you get to hear your, your own voice, too. So <laughs> lots of fun. So, well, here comes the cold air. Next will come the snow, hopefully. I like winter. I don't like 45 degrees in December. I do like 45 degrees in November. And the fact that we got 12 degrees and windy in November, and then and then at the last second, after the lawn service was done, it was 45. That was some serious, unfair BS. But whatever. I guess we got spoiled with like five years in a row of decent Novembers and we were able to roll through it and get the lawns done with no problem. And then this was just like 2008 where it was cold as hell. And then, of course, it magically warms up right right after we're done but now the legitimate cold which was thought of to be coming in the long 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 uh forecasts you know months and months ago that it was going to be a colder snowier winter than we've had the last few and i'm for that because the last few winters have been garbage so here it comes the wind's going to start blowing at some point on monday which may be when you're listening to this and then here comes the cold so and it's going to be staying this time so Enjoy, uh, watch some hockey, listen to Brave the Wild, listen to Timberwolves Explosion, listen to, you know, watch basketball, whatever, and of course, keep up with the Minnesota Vikings. Please tell your friends about this show. Do give a positive rating on iTunes if you could. It'd be greatly appreciated. You will be guaranteed a star and a massive shout out and thank you on this show if and when you do that. iTunes or Stitcher, please write a positive review about Purple Mafia on here. And again, tell your friends about the show if you could. Thanks again in advance. God bless and enjoy this Christmas season as it is in full bloom.